don't know what it is if we're just like bored in the summer, but suddenly there's a whole bunch of Justin Jefferson slander going around. I've had it. I've had it. I've had it. You like that? Three, one, two, three. You, like you are locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, uh, whether it is an audio app like SiriusXM uh, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can even find it on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much to those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all so much, especially as we get deep into the off season. It is late June, last day of June, actually. Uh, and that means that people have gotten a little bored and some real weird takes have come about. Now, I'm not one to like earnestly engage with someone's wide receiver rankings and people will go on TV and say whatever. I mean, I, I truly I don't believe in the sincerity of some of the stuff that you'll see out there. You know, here's my like rankings list. Uh, I think some of it is generated. Hey, you got to have something a little spicy in there, you know, Um I think if it were gun to your head, you have to choose the right receivers. I think things would get a little more chalk most of the time. There's, you know, incentives. But uh, there are a couple of, like, made-up justifications for some of the stuff about, hey, you know, Justin Jefferson uh, isn't actually as good as we think he is. That's really the the subtext. And the justifications for those, I think, are super wrong in a way that I, I do kind of want to earnestly engage with. Um, so today I will put on my suit of armor, uh, and muster up as much courage as I possibly can. And I will defend the absolutely scorching hot take Justin Jefferson. Good. I know. I know. I, I am a, a martyr. I I'm gonna, I I'm a, the bravest person you've ever met, (laughs) but look, I believe in the truth, even when the truth is boring. So let's get into it. Um, The first one came from Keyshawn Johnson on, I think, like an ESPN show or something. Um, He did like a a top five wide receivers. Justin Jefferson wasn't on it. A caller came in and kind of pressed him on that that later. And uh, essentially his answer was, A, you have Homer bias. I, I don't know if he actually said those words, but that was what he was kind of getting at. And then B... He admitted that he had only watched the Eagles game and he hadn't. He's like, well, if I really wanted to, I'd sit down and watch all his other games. It's like, well, d- what? <laughs> well, of course you have the wrong opinion. You didn't watch any of his season. Um, and, and that bugs me in a sense, because when you get on TV and you're a, you know, a former number one overall pick pro bowl wide receiver and stuff, people will just kind of take whatever you say on faith. Uh, and when you, put out something that you don't expect to be right because you haven't done the research. I think, I don't know, that's annoying. But um, beyond that, it's like, okay, well, of course, you're not going to have the right opinion. But then it was the next thing that really got to me, which was, you know, hey, he like disappeared in that Eagles game. And and it's something I hear a good amount. I hear it from Packers fans sometimes too, like, oh, J- you know, Jair Alexander clamped him, which isn't like entirely true. 
and I actually wrote a whole article about how that matchup, Jair Alexander had a phenomenal game in that Lambeau matchup. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was great. Uh, but he did an assignment that, I mean, he didn't do it by himself. And I think that's the real, like he, it was not a true one-on-one really ever. Um, there were like, I think 10 reps where it was a true one-on-one and he had the one where he grittied and that's the only one that anybody ever posts because that's the only one there is. Uh, and you know, if you, if you're looking for people posting Justin Jefferson highlights, you're going to find a little more diversity. How about that? (laughs) But in general, the argument of, well, you know, he disappeared versus these guys. He only got so many yards in the, in the playoff game, for example, blah, 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 is a fundamental misrepresentation. I don't want to say misunderstanding because I'm not going to say that like Keyshawn Johnson doesn't understand wide receiver, right? But I think it's a fundamental misrepresentation of the position in the same way that, you know, people will use the wrong terms for things or, mischaracterize things in like a TV broadcast, even if they're Hall of Famers, because they're simplifying it so much for a more generalized audience that they end up, I think, kind of misrepresenting it. And it's it's a problem of the system, not a critique of the guy or what he knows or whatever, right? I'm, I want to be very careful not to come off like I, you know, push my glasses up and I'm no more than Keyshawn Johnson. Like, no. Uh, but I think that that misrepresents it because every wide receiver in the history of the game Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and yes, Justin Jefferson will have stinker games. And I wouldn't even call them stinker games, just games where they weren't in the game plan. Because here is the thing, football is a dynamic sport. You don't go into every game saying, okay, Justin Jefferson is the key to this one. Especially at a certain point, defenses will dedicate a lot of resources to taking you away. And to a point, there's nothing you can do about that as a receiver. I'll get into the specifics of that more, but if the defense is dedicating, for example, there's a game that everybody talked about quite a bit. It was like a 14-yard performance week three against the Lions. Um, And everybody kind of thought, oh, you know, he had this great game against Green Bay, and then he didn't do a lot versus Philly, and then 14 yards versus the Lions. Is Justin Jefferson actually bad? Were we wrong about him this whole time? you, You might remember that was like a lot of discourse that week. Uh, and you know, you kind of had to say, Hey, look, wait two weeks. You're never going to talk about this again. And lo and behold, Justin Jefferson exploded, right? Um, had that crazy catch in London against, uh, Marshawn Lattimore at the end of the game, that step over. And then the, the bears game was insane. And then we never talked about it again. Right. Um, point being it, it doesn't matter what quality of receiver you are. Sometimes it's just not your day. And, and I don't mean it's not your day like you had a bad day. Sometimes it is just, hey, the defense is playing this such that it's going to be a KJ Osborne day. Or the defense is playing this such that it's going to be a TJ Hawkinson day. This is just, all right, this is just where we are right now. Okay. Uh, you're going to run a lot of clear outs if they're keying on you a lot. Maybe this is a game where you want a little bit more catch and runs for Justin Jefferson because you feel like they can't tackle him. Uh, maybe they got like smaller defenders and you feel like maybe they can't tackle them. You can juke them. And we're going to do a lot of the other stuff deep with KJ Osborne and Thielen, or I guess it'd be Jordan Addison now. And maybe we're going to do that. Right. And that's your game plan for the week. It's a very rudimentary idea, but uh, you know, bear with me. And then let's say that they, you get into that game with that game plan and they're actually playing a defense that, um, prioritizes underneath coverage quite a bit because they don't want to give up as much yards after the catches they've been giving up. 
And you realize, oh, okay. Well, so they're like keying on Justin Jefferson super hard underneath. Okay, well, we'll just throw a bunch of bombs to Jordan Addison. Maybe it's a big Jordan Addison day. So if you look at all of those games, um, the big one, I think, is the playoff game against the Giants, I think, is a perfect example of this. And you see, wow, Justin Jefferson didn't get a whole bunch. Of, he got like 47 yards or something in that one. TJ Hawkinson got like 130. <laughs> Like it was very clear what was going on in that game. And when you're the Vikings, I don't care about Justin Jefferson's stat line. I care about winning the game. And most receivers, as much as they have a reputation otherwise, uh, which I think is a bit of a preconceived notion thing, maybe perhaps a bit uh, prejudgmental, uh, prejudiced, if you will. <laughs> they would rather win than get a hundred yards. Winning feels good. Winning makes the game fun. If they're triple covering you all day and they let somebody else go get smoked, which is by the way, that lions game, the lions lost doing that. Uh, the, the Justin Jefferson shut down. Let's dedicate everything to him. Well, everybody else got enough. KJ Osborne got enough, got the, the final uh, touchdown. They had a bunch of really key holding penalties because uh, Amani Oruaria couldn't keep up with Adam Thielen, and they lost that game. They came back the next game. Did the Lions do the same thing? No. They left guys one-on-one -on -one with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson got 223 receiving yards in a single game, and then the Lions won because that was a smarter defensive game plan. Um, it is a team game. And the idea that one guy that, that, you know, that you got a couple of games where you only got 20 yards is some disparaging thing about you. It is at worst bad faith and it is at best ignorant. It's just not paying close enough attention. And Hey, look, when you, when your job is to cover the entire NFL, I get it. You're going to gloss over some teams. I do it on Locked On NFL all the time. I just got something wrong on Locked On NFL. I, uh, we were talking about the Malik Willis, uh, Will Levis thing in Tennessee, and I totally got the situation wrong. Like, I get it. Like, I don't cover the Titans, and I had a kind of cursory understanding that, and I got something wrong. It happens. So I'm not going to blame them too much, but you, dear listener, be aware that sometimes that's going to happen and maybe you shouldn't take everything at face value, even if the person has a resume that uh, inspires authority. It's not just this, though. Uh, there is another thing that I think led to really the true big problem of the Vikings offense. I've talked about it a ton uh, all offseason, the idea of like too high bracketing. How do you punish that? We're going to spend the rest of the show talking about that. But before I do so, hey, if you would like, you can go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you can actually find Justin Jefferson over unders. He's got 1400.5 receiving yards over under. So if he does better than 1400, you win. If he gets 1400 or fewer, you lose. That means he would have to tie or do worse than his rookie year to hit that under. I don't see that happening, but hey, that's all all you. <laughs> whatever you want to do there, you can go to fanduel.com slash locked on and you can get up to 10 times your first bet back. If you sign up via fanduel.com slash locked on up to 200 bucks in this. So you put in 20 bucks, you can get $200 back in bonus bets. You can place it all on the Justin Jefferson over and uh, rake in what was incredibly free money last year. It was 1395. They upped it five yards. Um, I don't particularly see that as accurate, 
And, uh, well, you know, I, I mean, you're basically just hedging against injury there. But whatever it is you want to bet on MLB games, other futures in the NFL, whatever, you can find it at fanduel.com slash locked on. Their safe, secure app, super easy to use, and it pays out instantly when it wins. Once again, that is fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, make every moment more. The next thing I'm going to talk about uh, is another one you probably heard of, which is from the Pat McAfee show. Um, Pat McAfee was trying to gas up Dalvin Cook by saying this. He wasn't like having a conversation about Justin Jefferson and saying, and by the way, that means Justin Jefferson's overrated. Uh, but in trying to gas up Dalvin Cook, who is clearly a friend of the show um, and is trying to get his, his next contract or whatever, kind of said, hey, you know, Justin Jefferson had this dominant season. Well, that's because of Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, influencing defenses. It's an extraordinarily wrong thing to say. Uh, and he tried to walk it back, but even the walked back version of it is like pretty wrong. Um, and he, you know, said, oh, I'm not trying to disparage Justin Jefferson and all that. So he's not like being insulting or anything like that. But that was like super not the case. Um, Arif Hassan did a whole article uh, at Pro Football Network that kind of laid out the statistical case for this, for all this stuff, if you're interested in like measuring it. But Basically, the argument goes, hey, when you have a very threatening running game, and I'll say running game as a whole thing, not necessarily a running back. There's been a lot done about how that might not necessarily have to do with the back. But hey, if they're running the crap out of the ball, you might bring another guy down in the box. And passing against one high is easier than passing against two high, generally. Depends on a lot of factors, and there's enough noise where the correlation can get super weak if you zoom it out to a super aggregate level with lots of different teams. But hey, the conventional wisdom, at least, is that passing against too high split safety defenses is harder than middle of field closed defenses. And the reason for that, there's less guys deep. So we can run easier deep concepts. You get more one-on-ones that way. You get less bracketing that way and all that stuff. Um... This was not the case at all for the Vikings. They did not have a lot of run volume. They did not have a lot of run efficiency. Their run game was actually like pretty bad. Uh, and this is very clearly bothersome to Kevin O'Connell. He's talked about it a ton, how he wants to get the running game going again. Um, not necessarily a volume thing, but fix it. Do it better. And it's funny, you know, a lot of coaches will get up there and talk about the run game on the podium and say, we've got to do the run better. You know, we got to we got to really commit to the run game or something like that. And really what they mean is they're committing practice time to being better at it. Right. But then people will go crazy because all people care about is run pass ratio. And the best play calling analysis you can get is essentially run pass ratio with fancier math. Um, it's a bit bugs the heck out of me. If you if you see analysis that's like, well, they ran 45% of the time and they passed 55% of the time and it should have been 60, 40 or 65, 35, you're listening to somebody blow smoke out there behind. It's nothing. Um, but I digress. I'm getting on a tangent. The point that Pat McAfee was trying to make was that teams were respecting Dalvin Cook by putting another more people in the box and therefore Justin Jefferson had more one-on-one situations. That is simply not true. The Vikings actually had a lot of light boxes, uh, like constantly they had light boxes because teams did not respect their run game. And when they did run into those light boxes, they sucked at it and they couldn't punish that. Um, it was a huge problem in the offense. And, you know, as, as good as the offense was in spite of that, you know, the passing game still drove things. Uh, the problems that that created was you saw more too high. And so when I when when you think about like the effect the running game has on the passing game, there's been so many studies and uh, arguments, and you know this has been the discourse for like six years on Twitter. Uh, it's a lot of well, 
if you if you map out all the teams that had good running games and all the teams that had bad running games, they don't really correlate to better passing games. And I think that skips a lot of steps. If you got to think of it as a whole system rather than like a direct, um, you know, the weather gets colder and crops get less bountiful kind of like direct causal correlation. It's a system. One thing causes another thing and that thing causes another thing. But because there's two steps, more noise can come in and it screws up your correlations. Um, but it's like the effect is still there. So the effect is if you have a scary running game, I'm going to use the word scary because a a running game that's getting a lot of yards today might not necessarily be something that defenses respond to. They might say, no, 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 we can take these guys. We just keep messing up. It's not that they're so good. We have to dedicate a new guy. It's that our, you know, our, our three tech keeps getting washed out because he's taking the wrong step. We can fix that. We can fix that. And then they won't um, actually make a schematic change and and they might be right too. They might be wrong too, but either way, when you have a run game that the other team is, is legit scared of, that's when they will put an extra guy in the box. When, when they say, Hey, we can't handle this one-on-one. We need an extra guy. Then that's, that's that. And that can be reputational and it can be a thing of momentum. Um, and it can be a thing of maybe that's, you have a crappy run game, but their run defense has been so bad that they've been doing this all year and you can get single high all day for free. Um, so there's lots of different reasons it can happen. And, and because it's, you know, passing against one high is easier than passing against two high and having a good run game that scares the other team is one of many possible ways to get them into a lot of one high. Some defenses are just one high defenses. They just love it. Doesn't matter what the run game is doing. So you have to think of it a little bit, but the system uh, exists. It's just that when you aggregate and zoom it all out, the system will get washed away by other factors that, um, you know, it doesn't exist in every game. And you have to kind of understand where you're looking here. But the goal is get them into one high, get an extra safety in the box or get an extra man in the box, get them into base personnel, whichever kind of version of that you're looking for. If you can do that, you can pass a little bit easier on single high, the Vikings absolutely could not. And the Vikings faced a ton of two high basically all the time, and it bracketed Justin Jefferson, and he couldn't do it. Now, here's the deal. Two high isn't a death sentence for your offense. But when you're getting bracketed as a wide receiver, there's kind of nothing you can do about it. So let's talk about that, because I, I, people are starting to, to careen toward this very weird opinion. Oh, you know, Justin Jefferson can't beat a high safety. Um, that kind of doesn't have anything to do with Justin Jefferson. So let me explain that next. So uh, think about Justin Jefferson, or if you are one of the few people that thinks he's like not good or something, and you're really actually just like a really mad Eagles fan or whatever, um, then this is for you. Imagine your favorite, imagine Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, whatever you want, Terrell Owens, I don't care. And imagine you are a defense that has pretty bad corners like the Vikings, right? Let's say the Vikings have uh, a super, super, super star receiver coming to town. They will have this problem some. And let's say they're playing uh, uh, the 1988 San Francisco 49ers that are Jerry Rice, that have Jerry Rice coming. And you're like, oh, crap, how are we going to cover Jerry Rice? The goal would be, and this is like a very classic, this is how the Eagles did it with Justin Jefferson. They have good corners, by the way. Their call is Zeus 18. Uh, I believe the nomenclature actually was the same with the Vikings last year, 
probably not the same anymore, but essentially it is um, cover six. So cover four on one side, cover two to the other side. And the cover two side will always be over Justin Jefferson, meaning there will always be a half safety, a cover two safety over Justin Jefferson. That cover two safety's instruction is be really, really deep and anything that is deep and Justin Jefferson is your job. Um, then you will have a corner underneath that says anything underneath and Justin Jefferson is your job. So if you are Justin Jefferson or, hey, let's just go super uncontroversial. Say if you're Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, if you're Randy Moss, let's, it's a Vikings podcast, let's say Randy Moss. It does not matter how fast you are. It does not matter how good a route runner you are. It doesn't matter anything. Because if you're that high safety, your coaching point is to not even look at the receiver. You're watching the quarterback's eyes and you are backpedaling like all hell. As fast as you can, you are backpedaling and getting deep. And you're probably starting 20, 30 yards deep or something like that to begin with. Uh, whatever you feel like you need to get your backpedal into place until you get to the edge of the quarterback's range. Whatever that is, uh, you know, what, however deep you are worried about the quarterback being able to throw an accurate pass. And let's say this is Culpepper Moss, you know, the deep bombs, you know, Jeff George, Randall Cunningham, whichever you want. But those deep bombs were could be 65 yards down the field. So you start from 30, you backpedal all the way to 65. And if you're Randy Moss and you're running a straight go route, you have a 30, they have a 30 yard head start on you. You're never getting them. It does not matter how good you are, how fast you are. Nothing matters. You're not going to blow by them or anything like that. They just are capping you. You cannot run a deep route. And you can't even do the thing where you you maybe stutter or maybe you do a stop and go or maybe a slant and go or anything like that because they're not worried about any of that underneath stuff. If, if you stop the route and come back, that becomes somebody else's job. So that safety never has to react to anything you do. They might not even be watching you. So all of the tools and tricks, you know, cool releases and, and route moves and, and, you know, leaning your stem and all that stuff that Justin Jefferson does, that Moss did, Jerry S, all the greats, um, doesn't matter at all. Safety's not even looking at it. He'll never react to it. The only thing you can do is win an underneath route. But then, what, are we going to have Justin Jefferson run five-yard outs all day? Like, that seems like a waste, right? So how you beat too high is you throw to someone else. That's the answer. So all these games where, oh, Justin Jefferson disappeared, if you watch them, their games where it was too high and somebody else got the ball. The Vikings would be idiots not to do it. I don't care how good Justin Jefferson is. He'd be the second coming of Moss. He could be literally Randy Moss. It still wouldn't be right to throw to him against too high. It's just schematically unsound. In a similar vein to the safety, the underneath corner never has to worry about being getting beat deep. So if you're a cornerback, you're a Caleb Evans, you're going up against... Randy Moss, oh no, right? I'm totally outmatched. Um, you can bank that you will not get beat deep because if it is a deep throw, it is no longer your job, right? Definitionally, you will never get beat deep in this situation. So you play under everything. You let them run by you a little bit. Maybe you play trail position. Let them beat you a little bit. You jam really hard. This is how Jair Alexander got Justin Jefferson was, hey, if you release, like, I'm going to jam you really hard. I'm going to line up and press, be two yards on you, and I'm going to throw my entire body into a jam, which is typically kind of dangerous living. That's not really something that you would typically want your corners to do. But when you've got that help over the top, you can be way more aggressive about that. Throw your whole body into Justin Jefferson and hopefully disrupt his rhythm that way. And if you do miss, 
because Jefferson's pretty good at, hey, you know, make your body skinny, release super hard to the outside, all these different ways to defeat a jam. Um, if he does beat you, well, it's either an underneath route and it's either not that bad or kind of still in your vicinity so you can recover. Um, or it's a deep route and the safety's got it anyways. And safety didn't jam, right? He's still in his same position. He might not have even seen that happen. <laughs> so you're fine. You can do that with impunity. Here's what I haven't seen so far. I haven't seen someone do it by themselves. The last guy I can think of that tried to do it, but there are two guys I guess I can think of in, in the 2022 season that tried to cover Justin Jefferson by himself. Marshawn Lattimore and Benjamin St. Just um, for, for Washington. Marshawn Lattimore got stepped over like Allen Iverson at the end of that game. And, and I'm pretty sure Jefferson was approaching. If not, I'm not going to look it up. But I, he had a good game in that one. And he got Marshawn Lattimore one-on-one a couple of times. Ben St. Just I know gave up a uh, hundred and a touchdown and got a key pass interference penalty that kept a drive alive at the end of the game. And like, it was not a good game for Ben St. Jude's. Everybody came away from that game saying, wow, he did such an admirable job for being like a fifth round player on Justin Jefferson one-on-one that the commanders put in an awful position. Uh, but it was like with all those cat, like he did so great considering the circumstances, the circumstances being how difficult that matchup is. Uh, and of course, that matchup being difficult because it's Justin Jefferson. Hopefully, this is somehow equips you to sort of fight back with all this stuff. But if you hear, you know, hey, Jefferson disappeared. My guess is that you will find a, a, a high safety over that guy every single time. Eagles did it and they did with Darius Slay. Very similar thing to what Jair Alexander did in the Packers week 17. Safety over the top of him. And you need a physical corner that can press really well. But but that corner does need to be good. So I, I don't want to take away from those corners as much as I, I want to slander the Packers, you know, because always. Um, I You don't take away from those corners. That's a difficult job. Jam Justin Jefferson, be in trail position. Like, that's a difficult assignment. But it is designed to take away the Justin Jefferson skill set of it all. And to just make it about if your corner can do press jam and if he can doesn't matter who that guy is how good he is you're going to beat him it's just really expensive you got to dedicate a safety to it you got to dedicate probably your best corner to it and you got to probably dedicate the safety on the other side to it as well because one of the classic ways to beat this is to have justin jefferson run a route across the field now that high safety is no longer in the equation and you can sort of start screwing up whatever they got going on the other side of the formation for the shining example of how this works week one against green bay um, totally had their their wires crossed. So if they're going to do all of that, somebody else was one-on-one. And in my opinion, if the offense did fall apart, like against Philly, it was it's that's on Osborne and Thielen and Irv Smith for not being able to capitalize on that, on that one-on-one opportunity for whatever reason. Uh, or somebody was, and it's like the uh, Christmas Eve game against the Giants, or was it Christmas? It was like the 23rd or whatever the whiteout game against the giants where TJ Hawkinson approached like 200 yards and had this insane game. And it's like, okay, somebody could attack that one-on-one. And there are other ways to beat too high. I actually did a Patreon video about this going into the playoffs last year, um, about like how to attack too high and, and which concepts are really good. But the biggest one is run the ball. If they're going to keep that box light, 
punish them like Pat McAfee thought Dalvin Cook was going to punish them, right? Make him write about that. Get a run game that works. And if you look at the Vikings offseason, that is clearly the thing that they are most concerned with, is a run game that works against too high so that you can't just have your safeties sit on the moon all day and now Justin Jefferson can't go deep. And you can just you can make the corners job so much easier doing that. And suddenly you've got a defensive plan that can work against the Vikings. That is the thing that they are primarily trying to fix this offseason. Hopefully they can do that and we can uh, move on from move on to whatever the next weird excuses people have for not believing in Justin Jefferson, despite everything that he has accomplished. I'm sick of the slander, y'all. Um, anyways, <laughs> next week I will be out of town, but there are still going to be shows. Um, I I've pre-recorded all, but the last one, I'm going to get to it soon here. And then, um, there will be a show Monday through Friday, just like normal. It just won't be, uh, current. So if news major news breaks, I'll have to get to it the Monday following next Monday. Um, but in the meantime, hope you all have a lovely fourth and all of that stuff. And as always, Skull.